Welcome to the Church of Philadelphia podcast. Get ready for this message to ignite your faith as the power and love of God is shared through his word. Amen. All righty. So we have been talking, like I said, about standing in love. Amen. <laughs> we talk about standing in love. And something I think is so interesting, even as we're about to close out November, last Sunday in November, about to move into the last month of the year. And there are a lot of things I think a lot of us have been believing God for throughout this year. We've got some of us have gotten words about what 2020 would 22 would be like, or at the beginning of the year, we were just like, yo, this is the year that this happens. This is the year that I break through with this. This is the year that I get this. This is the year that I do this. This is the year I become this. And and here we are, November 27th, and some things feel like maybe next year, you know, maybe we're just like, you know, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to believe God that he's still able to do it. And it's not to say that God hasn't moved. It's not to say that he hasn't done some great things, but there's still something that feels like mm, God is not quite there yet. It's not quite everything I thought that it would be. Like, I'm grateful that I have this, but I'm not I'm not excited. I'm not flowing in it. It's not as consistent as I thought it would be the flow in my life. You know, the, the place of joy you said that I would have. And, you know, we've been really getting some great words in this series when it comes to standing in love. We've been learning about unsatisfied love, struggle love, needing support in love, unity in love, being weak in the knees, and just so many other things. And if you haven't heard those messages, I, enc I encourage you to go back to the YouTube, listen to them. They will definitely bless you. But something that as I studied that I really believe is at the core of so much of our struggle when it comes to receiving love, walking in love, or even just just standing like we've been called to do in this place of love is a little thing that is a little bit, it's a little easy to overlook because sometimes we don't think we struggle with this, but it really is sometimes standing in the way of us fully walking in what God has called us to walk in. And that is control. So today we're going to be talking about standing in love, letting go of control. And that could be something that sounds really difficult, or you may even be looking at it and just be like, I don't struggle with control. I feel like God, whatever you want to do, you just do. But as we go through the scriptures, I want you to really, you know, examine yourself and look and see where in your life you may still be holding on to control. And even though it seems like something good, like, you know, I need to take control of my life. I need to be the one who makes decisions and do all of these things. When it comes to God, that's the one place where he's just like, I need you to let go. I need you to trust me and I need you to let me be God because I can see things that you can't. I know things that you don't, and I can move in a way that you can't, that you're limited in. And so in all of the ways that we're trying to hold things together by our own strength, the, all the ways we're trying to you know, hold people together, make sure they stay, make sure they're, they're safe, make sure all of these things, God's just like, when it comes to me, when you bring me all of these things, I also need you to let go of control so that I can move. Sometimes we bring things to God, but then we pick them right back up and we're just like, well, I'm gonna go fix it. Like I prayed about it, but I'm gonna go do it. But God's just like, I need you to pray about it, leave it there and let me do it. So today we're gonna be talking about letting go of control. So. One definition before we get into the scriptures is I want to define control. So control is the power to influence or direct people's behavior or a course of events. It is also exercising, restraining, or directing influence over. And so when we think about this place of control, you really have to think about how and 
why maybe sometimes we want to exercise control over people, their behavior, over a course of events. And a lot of times, even as we learned before in other sermons, when it came to traumatized love, when it came to, you know, struggle love or things that we've been like, you know, wrestling with or uh, not being united when we learned about one love, sometimes we, it's hard for us to let go of control because of things that have happened in the past. But today we're really gonna talk about why it's important and necessary for us to let go of control as we're seeking to stand in love and believe in God for all that he's getting ready to do. So since both houses are together, as is customary in the Church of Charlotte, we're going to stand for the reading of the word and we're going to make our decree over the word as we prepare to dive into the scriptures. So our decree, say it with me, I decree that my ears, heart, and spirit are open to receive the engrafted word of God, which is quick, alive, and powerful, active in the spirit of meekness. The ground of my life is fertile to nurture and grow the seed of God's word and will produce fruit in my life this week. I am a successful doer of what I will hear today, and I will leave here today full of faith, love, power, wisdom, and victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that is our decree. And we're going to get right into the scripture while we're standing. And this is coming, we're going to jump around, but we're going to read this one first together. And this is coming from 1 Samuel 16, verses 10 through 12. And it says, again, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready and withal, of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me to honor God and the reading of his word. So even as we're getting into this place of understanding control, identifying what that is, we really need to realize that God is calling us to a place of surrender. Lately, I've been listening to a word that our apostle gave, and I've just been having it on repeat. And he's just been really talking about that place of praise and how, you know, you really need to let go, open up your hands, give God the praise, and really let him into your situation, into your heart, and let him move and do whatever it is he wants to do because to be honest some things that are like a 911 emergency to us in our lives god is just like i want to deal with something else there's something that it really is more pressing that's the root of all of these things and i believe that's what he's trying to deal with even when it comes to this place of control and so even as you find yourself in the scripture don't tense up don't be like oh my gosh this is me I'm, i want to hide but do as the word says you know open your open your heart lift your hands be willing to let god in and give him the praise so that he can move in the way that he wants to move now this story of david i love this story just like a lot of the other bible figures that we hear about and here we're learning about David and he's being anointed as king. And this is coming after Saul, who was the first king of Israel, is demoted from his position because of his rebellion. And so God sends Samuel to Jesse's house and he says, one of Jesse's sons is going to be the next king. He's the one that I've appointed, anointed, and who I'm going to pick. And so Jesse presents his sons to Samuel in anticipation that it's going to be one of these things. But here we are in verse 11, and this is where we're going to start. So 
you know, like this in verse 10, it says it came to pass that, you know, he's standing there with his children. But then in verse 11, Samuel says to him, are these all of your children? Like God told me one of your sons would be the king, but none of them, the oil isn't flowing for any of them. And so he says, yeah, there remaineth the youngest one still, and he keeps the sheep. And so I love this scripture because He's just like, listen, I know that one of your kids is going to be king, but who you're presenting to me is not it. And when it comes to this place of control, one thing that we do, this is our first point, is that sometimes we hold back. Now, when I've been listening to this story for like all my life, every time I hear this scripture preached, we always hear that Jesse sort of like forgot about David. Like David is like some insignificant person that like would never be considered to be qualified enough to be king. And so, you know, we often hear that there's a place of rejection when it comes to David because his dad didn't even consider him. His dad didn't even think that he was worthy. But whenever I looked at this scripture, I always felt a little bit different about it. And I do sometimes feel like Jesse didn't hold back because he didn't remember that his son was out in the field. But sometimes the things that we hold dear and we hold close to us, we're not willing to let go. And I think about that because of who Jesse was. Now, if you don't know, Jesse is the son of Obed and the grandson of Ruth and Boaz. Now, that's like, you know, most of us are just like, I'm looking for my Boaz. But the story of Ruth, when he, she left her people and, you know, she followed Naomi and be, like wanted to follow God and her God and all of these things. And God blessed her because of her sacrifice to, to be able to be taken care of by Boaz and being grafted back in to the lineage that she was a part of, which is the lineage that Christ comes out of. And so you have their love that blossoms and he takes care care of her and then they have Obed and Obed he's not very much mentioned in the scriptures but then they have Jesse and here Jesse is and Jesse he was a sheep breeder and so consider the fact that out of all of his sons David was the only one that kind of followed in his footsteps he was willing to take care of the sheep he was content with that position and all of the other sins all of the other sins all of the other sons that he had as muscular as they were as handsome as they were none of them really saw value as much as David did in what their father was doing. And so when it came to Samuel coming and saying, one of your sons is gonna be taken and being king, sometimes it's easier to present things to people and to God that you're not so attached to. And that's what he did. Just like verse 10 says, he presented all seven of his sons. Like he just kept bringing them up. He was just like, hey, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? But when it came to David, Samuel had to ask for it. Now, when it came, like you see in verse 11, he's like, are these all of your sons? And he's just like, oh no, there's still one more left and he's keeping the sheep. And sometimes we don't think that God is gonna ask us for the thing that we hold like the, the closest to our heart. And Jesse, I'm sure felt the same way. He was just like, I know you're gonna take one of my sons and you can take any one of these, but I, don't, I wouldn't think that you're gonna take the smallest one, the one that's closest to me, the one that's following after me, the one that I can see myself the most in. I wouldn't think that you would take that thing and sometimes when it comes to control, we hold back because the thing that God is asking for from us is the thing that we hold dear, whether it's our reputation, where, like how people know us or what we've been known for, whether it's our finances, you know, the ability to get whatever we want and do whatever we want, whether, you know, it's the, just the way that we talk, the things that we roll. We've seen ourselves just like Jesse did in that thing. And we just wouldn't think that God would ask for that. And so in our attempt to hold on to control, we hold back from God. And we hold back from the people of God. So when God's just like, I need you to bring your all. I need you to give everything you have. Sometimes we give a lot 
because we're trying to avoid giving the thing that means the most to us. So we're willing to give sometimes our attention. Sometimes we're willing to give, you know, our presence. Yeah, I'll show up. Yeah, I'll come. You know, but don't don't ask me to participate. Don't ask me, you know, to put myself out there or to be vulnerable. So sometimes the things that we that we hold dear, we hold back. And like I said, when he said one of your sons, he willingly presented all seven. But when it came to David, he had to be asked. He had to ask, he had to ask and be like, you know, what else is there? What's left? What's remaining that you're not willing to just give to me to be offered up for something that's so great? And as great as what God has promised you is, sometimes the feeling of being able to have control and hold on to the thing that you feel like you love the most feels better than giving it up in order for the hope of a, great, a greater glory in God. And so we can really hold back when it comes to those things of God. And so naturally he was required to give something that he wasn't looking to give. And I can imagine even in this moment that Jesse might've felt like a little bit of panic when it came to, you know, having to go and fetch him, having to go and get him and be like, wow, okay, all seven of the sons that I have didn't, that I presented, you know, they didn't make the cut. So that definitely means that David is it. And he didn't know what that would look like. He didn't know if him becoming king would be immediate and he would just leave the house. He didn't know if it would be something that was down the line. He would still get to raise his baby son. Like he didn't know what it looked like. And sometimes when the word of God comes, we hold back because we don't know what that looks like. We're just like, God, what does that even mean? How am I even going to do that? God will put something in your heart. He'll give you a dream. He'll give you a vision, something you feel like it's so beyond you, uh, something you feel like you really want to do. But instead of believing him and reaching for it and giving it to him, your first thought is God, like, what is that even going to look like? And so in our misunderstanding sometimes of what God is saying, our inability to visualize how we're going to get from where we are to what he's saying, we'll hold back. And that hold back might be in your praise. Sometimes the word comes and your praise is stagnant because you're like, God, I'm not excited about this. Sometimes your worship is held back because you're just like, God, I don't want to keep communicating with you because I feel like if I keep communicating with you, then you might keep telling me things that you want that I don't want to give. Or sometimes it might be something else like, you know, the relationships that we have, the job that we have. There are certain things that we hold back and we say, God, you can have everything else but this. And I don't see why you need this. Like, you know, you're just like, God, I'm giving so much. And we can get bitter sometimes because we feel like, God, I've given all of these things. But and it feels like everything. But God's just like, it feels like everything. But everything that you've given is not anything compared to what I'm asking for. And it may just be that one thing. It may just be that one act that he's asking you to do that seems so monumental that will overlook all of the sacrifice and all of the things that you've been doing. And God's just like, I just need you to trust me enough to let go and not hold on and hold back the thing that I'm asking you for. So as you're going through this, examine yourself. Like, what is it, God, that you've been asking me for that I've been refusing to give you for whatever the reason? You know, is it because I'm, I'm afraid of what you're going to say? Because I'm afraid of what you're going to ask for? Or am I afraid because, you know, the last time I did obey or the last time I did give, it didn't turn out exactly how I wanted to, the, the way that I thought I would, like I wanted it to. And so you really have to examine yourself. So even as Jesse responds, he tells them, you know, he keeps the sheep when he's talking about David here in the scripture. And so even as he's describing David, he's not only telling him his name and who he is, he's telling him what he does and why it's important to him. And sometimes 
the thing that is like, you know, really hard to let go of is the thing that's working for us. David was working for him. You know what I mean? David was keeping his sheep. He was doing the job that he knew how to do. And some things that God is calling for, it's working for us. That swag that you use to manipulate men or women, it's working for you. Like, you know what I mean? That ability that you have to move and to go, it's working for you. And it's going towards your own gain. It's going towards something that makes you feel better about yourself. It's going towards something that, you know, makes you feel justified or safe or seen or valued. And God's just like, you know, yes, but I know that it's working for you, but I need you to bring that to me. And I'm not going to, like he says here, I'm not going to sit. I'm not going to rest until you bring him here. God's just like, I'm going to keep nagging you. I'm going to keep calling you. I'm going to keep saying these things until you bring it to me and until it's presented to me. And even though this was a promise that was coming, he knew he was going to be king. He knew that it was something so great. Like, how great is it to know that you're going to be the father of a king? But in his mind, as great as it was, it still hurt him because it cost him something that he wasn't willing to give up. And the truth of the matter is, for what God has told you, what he's called you to be, what he's called you to do, it's going to cost you something that right now you may not feel like you're willing to give up, but your unwillingness to give it up is what's holding you back. I know you feel like you're just waiting for God to just do it all around you and hold on to the thing that you're holding on to. But God's just like, no, I need you to let that go. And once you do, then I can move in the way that I need to move. I know you feel like, man, God, this year went by. I didn't see this happen, or I've been waiting for X amount of years for this and this to happen. But at the end of the day, the thing that's restricting you is your unwillingness to give God everything that he's been asking of you, everything that he's been requiring. So in you holding back, you're disrupting the vision for your life. In you refusing to let go, you're hindering that place of movement in your life. And God really wants you to release that so that you can see the flow in your life the way that he's been calling it to be in your life. Amen. So the next thing we're going to look at is 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. So we already talked about what hold, what control looks like. Control looks like holding back. And that was the first thing we looked at. This next verse we're going to look at, control looks like refusing to move. And this is 1 Samuel 16 and 1. And it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So this is kind of like rewinding, going backwards. So Samuel is the prophet, and he was the one that was sent to Jesse's house to anoint his son. But prior to anointing him, he was also the same prophet that anointed Saul as king. And Saul was the first natural king that Israel ever had. And so he, even though he understood that he disqualified himself from that place of rebellion that he was in, he was still mourning the loss of what just happened. Saul was the first king. Now he rebelled and God's done with him and his lineage. And so for Saul, not only is it a sadness because of how things happened with his rebellion, but also now, just like Jesse, he's just like, God, what's going to happen now? What is this going to look like? And even when it comes to the prophetic, even when it comes to people who walk in wisdom, people who, you know, have experiences, at the end of the day, sometimes some things happen and you just don't know what to do. You don't know what's next. And you're waiting for God to give you some sort of instruction 
so that you can really move forward. And this was something that was really monumental for Samuel. You know, he learned the voice of God as he grew. He grew up in the church, just like many of us. And then he learned the voice of God for himself. And now he was operating in those things, flowing in those things. And it was like God finally used him to anoint this king and move in such a great way. And now the thing that he kind of had built his life up on was no longer there. And sometimes the things that happen to us that break us and make us want to operate in a place of control is that we spend so much of our lives building certain things, building a business, building a family, building relationships. And when those things don't work, we feel like I'm never going to be in that place again. I never want to be in a place where I'm not in control and I don't see things coming. You know, I'm going to be, you know, on guard. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to make sure that I never get hurt that way again, that I never get blindsided that way again. And so here Samuel is sitting in this place of mourning because he's so sad about what just happened, about all the work that he did in one moment being undone. And sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes the things that we've built so much of in our lives, it takes one moment, one like circumstance, one thing that completely shatters all of that work. And we feel like, how can I rebuild when it took so long to get here and it was undone in such a short amount of time? And so he found himself paralyzed by the fact that this didn't work out. And the last thing that he did, because of how it ended, he refused to move. And some of us, in our attempts to remain in control, we're refusing to move. We're refusing to step back out. We're refusing to go back into that place that God has called us to, or revisit some things, or go into certain places. And we feel like, you know, my way of making sure that I'm good, making sure that I'm safe, making sure that I'm protected, is that I'm just going to no, no longer be willing to experience those things or go into those places. And even for Samuel, the thing that was so interesting to me is that with all that he built, all he did was build it off of a word. God gave him a word and said, this is who go who's going to be king. And he went and obeyed. And God's just like the same thing that worked last time is the same thing that's going to work this time. It's as simple as a word. It's as simple as God coming and saying, you could be free. It's as simple as God coming and saying, you're healed. It's as simple as God saying, I'm going to do it, regardless of what it looks like. And all you have to do is believe the word. Sometimes that place of control, it really suffocates us because we feel like we have to do so much work to get back to the place that we used to be in. Or, you know, whether it's falling off in prayer, falling off in our relationship with God, falling out with other people, falling out on our jobs, getting fired, whatever it is. Sometimes we feel like there's so much work that we need to do. And so control comes in and says, you know what? It don't even take all that. Do nothing. Stay here just wait. You know what I mean? Wait till things change around you. Wait till it comes to you. And God's like, no, I need you to move. I need you to get up. I need you to arise and go and do what I've called you to do. And all you need is a word. Just simply hold on to the word. And if you feel like you don't have one coming from somewhere else, Pick up the Bible, read it, pray, communicate with him. He'll give you exactly what you need for the journey ahead. And we see that here in the scripture, even as God comes to him and he's like, okay, how long are you going to sit in this place and mourn? I need you to fill your horn with oil and go. And sometimes God's just like, I need you to just get in that place of worship, get in that place of repentance, get in that place of praise and go. And as you go, like, I'm going to give you the assignment. I'm going to show you what you need to do. And sometimes we're stagnant because we're waiting for God to tell us every little detail, everything that he plans to do, every twist and turn that's going to happen before we 
move. And that is just not how it's going to work. God's just like, I'm giving you the instruction and I need you to follow it. And as you follow it, I'm giving you a word to hold on to so that when you go, you know what you're looking for. When you go, you know what, you know, what the end should be. And I love the fact that he tells him to fill up his horn with oil and go. Now, Samuel, as a prophet, understood that when God told him to do that, that he was getting ready to go and anoint another king. And I'm sure that probably brought Samuel a little bit of relief because you got to imagine the last king that he anointed obviously undid that. So he's not in that position anymore. And he didn't know who was next. He didn't know what it was going to look like. He didn't know if God was going to be like, you know what? I tried it. I let y'all have a king. I'm done. We're not doing this anymore. He didn't know what God's response was going to be. So I'm sure there was probably a little bit of relief and excitement to know like, oh, okay, you're still going to do it. God, you're just going to do it with someone else. And so for us, there needs to be some place of relief to know, okay, God, maybe this didn't work, but you're going to do it with something else. You can still do it with someone else. You can still do it in a new place. And it doesn't mean that just because it didn't work out this time that it's never going to work and i think we have to take those limitations off of god like you know everything all of our eggs in one basket and if that basket doesn't work then throw the whole basket away god's just like no i still can do it i can still move in things i just need you to fill up your horn with oil and go and i'm going to send you to this particular place and god gave him specific instructions of where to go but even as we learned in the last scripture when he got there he still had to wait for the next set of instructions and sometimes we need to let go of control enough to take the first step and trust that after we take the first step once we do it then God will give us the next instruction. You know, I know for me, that's a struggle. For me, I am that person. I want all 10 steps. I want you to tell me where to go, when to go, what's happening, who to look for, what color, all these things. And then once I do those things, then I want to be able to come back and be like, I did it what you gonna do with it and god is just like no daughter that's not what i need from you i just need you to go and when i when you go then i'll tell you the next instruction when you get there and that can be so difficult for someone who struggles with control and that place of control really is just a place of fear because you don't want to be caught off guard. You don't want to do it wrong. You don't want to get there and it not work out and it'd be like, it's my fault somehow. But that's where trusting God comes in. You really have to trust him enough and trust his love enough that he's not playing games with you. God is not out to make you look like a fool. God is not out to make you look stupid. God is not out to play games and, you know, see like, oh, is she gonna obey? Gotcha, just wanted to see if you would do it, not gonna move. God's not that person. But we put those limitations on God because we feel like, God, you played me last time I trusted you. God, you know, I thought this was gonna work and it didn't. And we forget that just like Saul, people make their own decisions. God did call Saul, God did anoint him, but he chose to rebel. He chose not to follow the instruction. And sometimes we blame God for the things that people do. And when people do them, then instead of saying that, okay, this didn't work and maybe I can't trust you anymore. Now we say, God, I can't trust you anymore. Now I can't believe what you're saying. And one thing that we've always learned, especially in our house, is that the greatest thing that God has given us is a choice. And the choice is to obey, but there's also a choice to rebel. And when people rebel, there are consequences for those actions. And it doesn't mean that God is any less loving, God is any less loyal, God is any less faithful, because he said, 
even in that rebellion, I'm going to give you the opportunity to anoint a new king. And God's just like, yeah, maybe those people did rebel. Maybe it didn't work out, but I'm still giving you an opportunity for the word to come to pass because I can use whoever is willing, even us. As much as we feel like we've been done wrong, as much as we feel like, you know, things haven't gone our way, we haven't been faithful with everything that God has called us to do. But God's like, but I can still use you. I can still make something out of you because you're willing. And so I just want to encourage us, even as we're pressing to let go of control, that we can't get stuck and not move simply because of the last thing that didn't work out. We can't refuse to move because we're so paralyzed with fear of how is this going to work? How is like, what are you going to do next, God, that we can't trust him beyond what we can see? Amen. So we're learning letting go of control. We're, we're learning that control looks like holding back. Control looks like refusing to move and control also looks like being unwilling to start small. And for that, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 17 and 15. And it says, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So this scripture comes after David does something pretty monumental and pretty major in his life. So at this point, Samuel came, he got over his mourning of Saul, and he came to Jesse's house, he anointed him as king, and so God privately elevated him and told him like, you know, this is what I'm going to do with you. And God does that with us. There are some things that God has told us in prayer. God has told us in our study time. God has told us, you know, from the leadership or people in our lives privately that he's just like, I'm going to do this with you. Now, publicly, David goes and he defeats Goliath. And this is this enemy that was so huge, so monumental, but nobody was willing to fight. Nobody was willing to confront this thing. And there are some things, whether it's generationally in our family, some things like poverty, some things like fear, abuse, that nobody in our generation has been willing to confront, has been willing to address. But we, as David, we've confronted those things. We've defeated those things. And now after he defeated those things, and everybody knows his name now. Everybody's like, yo, y'all saw David? He's the one that defeated Goliath when all of y'all with all your armor, you weren't willing to. And here this little scratch kid is and he came and he he did the thing and so now god elevated him privately he's elevated publicly and then after this monumental move we find him in verse 15 and it says but david went and returned from saul to feed his father's sheep at bethlehem and something that when it comes to control we have to watch and that we need that we can tend to struggle with is that after god gives us such a great word about who we are and who we're going to be we struggle to go back to the thing that we were doing before and we would struggle to go back because we feel like okay god i'm great publicly, but I need people to know who I am. Like, I know what you said about me, but I need them to know. And we're unwilling to go in God's timing. And so for David, he could have very easily thought like, okay, God called me to be king. I just defeated one of the biggest enemies of our of our kingdom. So obviously this is my platform. This is my stepping stone into who God said, like, make me king already. I know you got one now, but make me king. And so sometimes when it comes to control, we can be unwilling to wait on God's timing because we feel like if we don't move in the time that we think is right, then we'll never get it. Like it'll be a demotion, you know? God's not going to be faithful enough to his word. And so we'll abandon our responsibilities. We'll abandon the people in our lives, the things that we know we've been called to do trying to reach for an opportunity that we feel like we'll never get again. 
man. And so here, you know, he attempts, he doesn't attempt to walk in control. He goes back to his father's house and it could seem like such a trivial thing. And I mean, people were making fun of him, even his brothers. His brothers were just like, you know, why don't you go back and feed the sheep like you normally do? They really tried to make him feel so small, even after he did something so great. And sometimes out of fear of feeling small in front of other people, we try to milk a moment for all that it's worth thinking that it's what validates us thinking this is like you know this is what's making the word of god true instead of trusting god for what he said and so control says you know in order to move forward like you know maybe i'm not going to serve where i used to serve now i'm going to serve the people i think are going to take me to the place that i know god has called me to because you think about it david was in the camp with the king the current king with all of the army with all these people and so technically this is the group of people like he should be hanging out with now like okay now i know i have all these responsibilities at home but a king doesn't take care of sheep you know yeah i know i have all these responsibilities at church but you know the next president doesn't get on the 5 a.m prayer call like you know there's so many things that we look at and we say because of who god has called me to be i no longer have to be responsible for the things that he put in my care and so when we do those things we operate in a place of control and it's really not trusting god because we feel like if I don't seize this opportunity, if I don't go and abandon what I knew and serve in this new place that will cater to me, then God, I'm gonna miss it. God, this is what you said. This is what I need to do. But God called him as king when he was still tending to the sheep and he knew that he was gonna have to return to that place because it wasn't time yet. And control says that I can't wait any longer. Control says, you know, I, I have to take this opportunity. I have to abandon everything because this is the door that God opened for me. As if God is not a God of order, as if God is not a God of balance, as if God, you know, would call you and then tell you to forsake all the things and the people that he's entrusted into your care. And that is not the case. But David was willing to wait his turn. And if you're struggling with that place of control, you have to ask yourself, like, am I willing to wait my turn? I know we've been saying that, you know, it's our season, it's our time and it's our turn. But even when it is your turn, that doesn't mean that there still aren't or there still isn't an order to the process. It still doesn't mean that what God is considering to be your turn and your time, it may not line up with, with the timing that you've put on God. And so there are certain things that need to be in place and to move. And David could have really messed up this opportunity. And there are a lot of opportunities that we mess up. God is just like, okay, I'm calling you to these people. I'm calling you to this situation and to these things. And I'm giving you a glimpse. I'm showing you this is where I'm taking you. I'm showing you that I'm gonna use you in these great ways. But after this high and this monumental thing that you do, I need you to take your anointed, appointed self and go back and do what you've been doing. And sometimes that's such a humbling experience, but God does that with us because he understands that there's a work that we need to do. There's a way that he needs us to lead. And we'll never be able to lead that way if we don't go the way that he's called us to go. Now, the victory that David had was all had while he was out doing something so simple, tending to the sheep. And sometimes we think like, you know, how can those two things correlate? How can something, someone who's just taking care of, a sh of, taking care of sheep be getting training to be king. And that's where we miss the opportunity sometimes because God's just like, you know, I am calling you to great things, but the way that I'm calling you and trying to prepare you is in a way that you feel like it's so small, like in a way that you feel like it's easy to overlook. So your commitment to certain people, your commitment to certain things, your commitment to certain endeavors are 
fluctuating because you're not seeing the value of what it's bringing to you and how God wants to use that in your life to prepare you to be the great person that you know that he's called you to be. And sometimes you have to understand and say to yourself that I'm great, not because of the destination, but because of the journey, like how God is taking me there. That's what's making me great. And that's what's making you stand out among the rest because there are a lot of people who could do the job. There are certain things, even when it comes to politics and comes to things like that, there are people who've been like bred to be in politics from the time that they were children. You know what I mean? They were around it. They went to school for it. From the time they were young, they knew this is what they were that they wanted to do. But then when you get a word like God wants to use you in this area, for me, I struggled because I felt like, well, God, I feel like I'm late to the game. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like I got this word late in life that you wanted to use me in this area and in this way. And so control says, since I don't have what I feel like it takes, then I need to surround myself with the people who do. Like, you know what I mean? With the people who do do have what it takes, the people who have the money, maybe the people who have the experience. And so I try to make myself like them instead of being exactly who God called me to be. And God's like, I need you to be around them, but I need you to be the difference. And you'll never be the difference trying to emulate them, trying to copy them, trying to be just like them. And God's just like, you know, I need you to relinquish control because re control looks at the situation, assesses it and says, this is what I need to do in order to get there. But when you're walking by faith, God's just like, I can bypass all of that and still put you in position and still anoint you and still call you and still use you. And so we have to be willing to start small sometimes. And you really have to check yourself. And that place of pride really comes in when it comes to control because we feel like, well, God, you call me to such great things. So I can't be bothered with like, you know, the small things that you're telling me to do now. And it's just like, yes, I have called you to these things, but I need you to understand some things along the way. Yes, God has called you to be a prophet to the nations. You're going to prophesy, you're going to lay hands, you're going to walk in a place of deliverance. You're gonna do all of those things. But can you pray for the prayer request that's posted in the chat, like with fervency, like, you know what I mean? Being deliberate, like God's the great things that God is calling you to do. It starts in the small things. It starts in that quiet place. And just like David, he got anointed at home with his family. And sometimes the things that God wants to build and use in you publicly, God's just like, let's just start it at home. Can you pray for your family? Can you talk to them? Can you guys walk around the house and not be silent with each other. Can you come out of a devil fast enough? Like, you know what I mean? And repent and forgive. All of these great things sometimes we're trying to do publicly because we're waiting for a moment. And God's just like, I'm not trying to give you a moment blessing. I want you to live in that place. I want you just like the um, series we're in to stand in that place of love, to stand in that place of obedience so that you can live in this life that God has called you to live in. And in this culture that we're in, we are such momentary people, microwavable blessings, microwavable things, quick fixes. I wanna go viral off of one video. You know, we just want this huge platform of elevation, but God understands all that comes with it. He understands all the scrutiny that comes with it, understands all the rejection that comes with it. And if you don't let him build you in this place, in these small beginning places, then you'll get there and you'll never be able to sustain you sustain it and you'll crush under the pressure and so god doesn't want that for us and so even as we're pressing to let go of control you have to be willing sometimes to start small and remain in that place until god calls you higher amen and the last thing we're going to talk about when it comes to letting go of control is unforgiveness and that's coming from first samuel 
19 and verse 7. And it says, and Jonathan called David and David showed him all those things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as in times past. Now we've been following David. At this point, David and Saul have this back and forth kind of relationship. David is still going home, feeding his father's sheep, but he's also coming to where Saul is and God is using him in Saul's life. Saul, after he operated in this place of rebellion, has been struggling with this spirit that comes on him and he just be wilding out and acting crazy. And David is able to play, you know, his minstrels and play the spirit out of him and God is using him in his life. But even though David understands and knows that God is calling him to replace Saul and he's still being respectful, he's doing the things that he's supposed to do. He's not talking to him crazy. He's not like, I'm gonna take your place one day because he understood that even though that was going to be his position, it wasn't his position yet. And control, like we talked about, needs to understand that that is going to be your position, but it's not your position yet. And so some things God is calling you to stay low in, because there are still some things you need to learn. Just because you're anointed, appointed, and called does not mean you know everything. And it does not mean you're ready yet. And God needs us to be ready. And so even in this place, as he's getting ready for this next appointment that God is calling him to be in, Saul is literally trying to kill him. Like, not just like, I'm trying to kill your spirit. I'm trying to like take away your joy. No, I'm talking javelins. I hope I nail you to the wall. Like, I mean, this is on some, like whatever fantasy show there is. I didn't watch Game of Thrones, so I can't even make a reference. But whatever like attack there is, this man was trying to fillet mignon him all the way like to, to the ground, okay? Buried dead. And so he's like, really trying to obey God, trying to give his best. And this man is out to kill him. But in all of this, Jonathan, who's his best friend, which is um, Saul's son, you know, he goes to him and he's just like, dad, stop trying to kill my friend, please. Don't do this to him. Repent for it. He's been faithful. God is using him in your life. And Saul's just like, you're right. I'm not going to kill him anymore. And so David comes back into his presence as in times past. Now, I thought this scripture was so like gut-wrenching because when it comes to a place of forgiveness, you know, it's easy to forgive from afar. It's easy to be like, yeah, God, I forgive him. I let him go. Just never let me see them again. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't let me run into them. If we're in the same store at the same time, just let them be in the checkout line while I'm shopping, whatever it is. But David, not only did he remain humble, not only did he still be willing to wait his turn, but he went back into his presence and he continued in that place until it wasn't safe for him anymore. And sometimes when it comes to a place of unforgiveness, control says, I'm nobody's fool. Like, you're not going to play me. I forgive you, but I don't forget. And I'm going to keep you right there at a distance. And it's not to say that he let him into his life, his personal business or anything like that. But his unforgiveness didn't keep him, you know, he did forgive, but he didn't let what happened keep him from serving. And many of us, there are certain things that God's just like, I know that they hurt you. I know they're trying to hurt you. I know you discern everything. I sense a spirit of betrayal on you. 
all those things that you discern. Amen. You're probably right. But at the end of the day, God's just like, but I still need you to remain. I still need you to serve. I still need you to get something from this place and even from this person that that will really equip you for where I'm calling you to go. And David understood that. But in in that place of wanting to hold on to control is really difficult for us to let that go sometimes. It's really difficult for us to know that we've been done wrong and not only be done wrong, but that the person who did us wrong is not apologetic. It's not like it's not like Saul came to him and was just like, David, I'm sorry for trying to nail you to the wall with a javelin. <laughs> like he didn't come to him and say, David, I'm sorry for trying to slit your throat. Like he didn't say any of those things. He just said, I'm not going to keep trying to kill him. And he didn't even keep that promise. But you know, when God gives us an opportunity, sometimes we hold back because we're just like, man, God, like, they, they didn't even apologize. They didn't even say they were sorry. They don't even see it the way that I see it. Like, you know what I mean? And the thing that they did to hurt me, they're still doing it. You know what I mean? They're still acting this way. They're still shutting me out. They're still not obeying. They're still not doing any of those things. But at the end of the day, God wasn't coming to David about Saul's response. He came to David about his response. And that's what God is doing with us today. God's not coming to us about anybody else's response. I know we listen. I know I do this too. There are certain times people are preaching. You hear the word, you're just like, y'all heard that? So-and-so, you heard that? You So-and-so, you on the call? And God's just like, but whether they did or not, this applies to you. You need this. You're not letting me in. You're keeping me back. You're unforgiving. You're not letting go of control. And so as much as you want God to fix them, God's just like, how about you let me fix you? How about you let me do this in you? Because that unforgiveness that you're holding on to is holding you back. And it's it feels like control. It does. It feels like, well, because you did this to me, I am no longer going to give you access. I'm no longer going to give you my hello. I'm no longer going to give you my resources and I'm going to hold back from you. And you think that that is keeping you in a place of control. But what it's really doing is weighing you down because God's like, as much as I want you to move, you need to be able to move freely and you can't move freely bogged down and weighed down with all of those things. Even when it comes to that place of prayer, God, the scripture says that he won't even hear your prayers if you're regarding iniquity in your heart. And not regarding iniquity in your heart is not just acknowledging it with God. Yeah, God, I, I acknowledge that I, I didn't forgive them. Forgive me. And then still treat them bad. <laughs> and then still, you know, rebel and then still come against them. God, just, just like this scripture, David went back into his presence as in times past. And sometimes it's so difficult to get back into the presence of people and situations and things that you have a history with, that you have a past with, and that's an unpleasant past at that. But God's just like, yeah, that place that you're in, I need you to stay right there because there's some things that I'm, I need to do in you. Because the truth of the matter is, as much as David needed to forgive in this moment, later on down the line when he's king, he needs that same amount of forgiveness. And we don't think about that sometimes. The way that we're holding people hostage with our unforgiveness, somewhere down the line, when we find ourselves in similar situations, we're going to need that same grace. We're going to need that same level of forgiveness. And we're going to be begging and asking God and others to forgive us for the things that we've done and the mistakes that we've made. Don't think that just because it's being done to you that you're incapable 
of doing it to someone else. And sometimes we make these commitments to ourselves like, God, I'm never going to be that person. I'm never going to be the one that does this. I'm never going to be the one that, you know, makes this decision or, you know, does this thing wrong. But it's easy to say under certain circumstances. But when things happen, when, when the devil is plaguing you, when you realize that you forfeited the best thing that you had out of your own rebellion, like I'm sure Saul was being so tormented and seeing David was a daily reminder of what he needed to do, what he should have done, you know, how he messed things up and how, how he can't get back into that place. And sometimes there's some mercy that we need to show and we can only we can only show it when we really give that thing to God and let him in. Because there are some people that we are holding hostage with our unforgiveness, that when you go to pray, God can open up certain things to you about what they're dealing with, about what they're struggling with. That'll give you compassion for the person. That'll give you, you know, some understanding about a situation. And it may not be current. It could go back to your parents. There are some things that maybe your parents did, your grandparents did, family members did, that you're just like, you know, I never want to be in their presence like I was before. I never want to trust them like I did before. I never want to be vulnerable to them like I was before and leave myself open to being hurt because that's what David was doing. He was putting himself back in his presence and leaving himself open to being hurt because every time he was in his presence, he was getting like, well, trying to get hurt. He was dodging bullets. And sometimes we're dodging bullets with people's words that come to attack us. Sometimes we're dodging bullets with people's expectation. And sometimes the expectation is a negative one. They're expecting us to fail. They're expecting us to mess things up. And so, you know, just like those things, we're dodging these things in their presence. And so we feel like I never want to be around you because I don't want to leave myself open to being hurt. But David, out of his trust for God, trusted God, this is where you've called me to be. And so I'm going to put myself in that place until you call me elsewhere. Now, I'm not talking about abusive situations or, you know, extremes, but there are some of us that know, whether it's in ministry with our family, that God is calling us to get back into connection with certain people, certain things, certain things we left behind, certain things that we're just like, child, I mean, it's all right. I'm good. I forgave, but you know, I'm never going to put myself in that situation again. And it's difficult even when God's calling you to be in something that may look similar to what you've been through or similar to having a negative experience. And control says in order for me to move forward, I have to look for everything different. I have to look for everything contrary to what I had in the past. When God may be saying, no, I need you to be like David and get right back into that thing as you did in times past. And so we really need to place ourselves in a willingness to forgive so that God can move and understand that the goal is really to, to all for all of us to get to God. I know sometimes it feels like in that place of unforgiveness, like I need you to to get to me, like, you know what I mean? To get to get my heart to forgive. But at the end of the day, it's just like, no, God, I need you to move. I need your will to be done. And we need to keep that at the focus. So even as we're pressing to understand that there are places of control that God is calling us to let go of, we have to examine ourselves and see where we're holding back. We have to examine ourselves and see where we're unwilling to start small. We have to examine ourselves and see where we're refusing to move and we're just stagnant and we're paralyzed. And we also have to examine ourselves and see where we have been being unforgiving. And when you find yourselves in that place, give it to the Lord. Say, God, this is me. And I repent. I repent for taking control because I say with my mouth that I trust you, but my actions and everything leading to this 
place that I'm in has been me not trusting you and wanting to take control, even though I can't do it the way that you would do it. And so this week, as you're pressing, as you're rehearsing this word, looking at the scriptures and you identify places of control in your life, don't just think on them, give it, give it to God, acknowledge them, say, God, that's me. I want, I want control in this place. God, that's me. I am unforgiving in this place. God, that's me. I have been unwilling to move. I've been stagnant in this place that you've told me to really progress and to move in. You know, God, it's me. And when you acknowledge it and you give it to him, give him control in that place. God, I've been in control in this place and it's not getting me what I want. God, I've been in control in this, in this place and I'm still stuck. I still don't have everything that you said I would have. It's still not the fullness. It's still not the fulfillment of it. And when when you find when he finds you in that place, then he'll move. And just like we talked about before, give him praise in that place. Open yourself up, lift your hands, surrender to him. And when you surrender and give him control, then God can truly move in the way that he's called to move in your life. Amen. Thanks for tuning in and please make sure to visit us at churchoffilla.com for more podcasts and ways to connect with us on social to like, subscribe, follow, and share content as it comes along. Special thanks to those who give in so many ways to this ministry. We could not do any of this without you. And if you want to give or be a part, visit churchoffilla.com forward slash give for more information. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.